Hi, I'm Beth Guckenberger, and welcome to the Punch First Podcast. I'm here on day six with Todd, and we're continuing our conversations um, about what it looks like to to really address the world that we can't see, this spiritual warfare world that impacts the world that we can see. And in what places does the enemy take advantage or find open windows and come in and set up shop? And it made me think of the story. um, So 15 years ago, I wrote my first book, Reckless Faith. But previous to writing that book, um, the publishing company, Zondervan, who we had met through some mission trips, they had been asking me if I would record the stories I was telling at the time, just verbally to groups that were coming, if I would write those down in a book. And I, I just kept telling them no, like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't have time for that. It was such a great opportunity. I think back now, I cannot believe I was kept saying no, but I did. I was just probably ultimately afraid. And we had a friend that was visiting us and he was pressing on me like, why aren't you doing that? I don't understand why you're not doing that. And I said to him, well, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if I have time for it. And he said, well, we make time for the things we want to do. And I said, well, I don't really know if I'd be that good at it. And he's like, well, I bet that they'll help you. They probably know that you're a first-time author and would design a program that would help you. And I said, yeah, well. And then I looked around because we were on campus at the time in Monterey, and there was a bunch of other people, you know, coworkers of ours that were working within eyesight. And I said, well, I mean, everybody here has their own stories. Why do I get to write down mine? And he's like, well, because they asked you. And then I said, you know what? Nobody wants to see that crown up on my head. And he looks at me, he goes, what are you talking about? And I, I just said, I cannot believe that just came out of my mouth. I cannot believe I'm about to say no to this because of that. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I, I told him I had this memory and it, it surfaced for the first time since it had happened. So the story happened in 1990. And this would have happened in 2007, the story that I was telling. So for like 17 years, I didn't even think about this. But I was the, uh, it was fall of my senior year in high school and I was a cheerleader and it was homecoming weekend. And at halftime, some of us that were on homecoming court changed out of our cheerleading uniforms and put on these big dresses. We rode around in the back of cars and they had a little ceremony. At the end of that ceremony, they crowned me homecoming queen. And as soon as that was over and I got my picture taken, I ran back to the locker room to take that dress off and put that cheerleading uniform back on so I could go out and cheer the second half of the game. And if you are familiar at all with the hairstyles of the 1990, um, we used a lot of uh, perm and we used a lot of hairspray and a lot of teasing combs and the bigger the better. And so when I looked in the mirror before I went back on the field, I didn't even see the crown that was stuck so far into my curly banged hairspray hair that you couldn't even see it. I mean, it I, you, you couldn't even see it in the mirror. But I left that locker room in a rush, went down to the sideline, and I ran into this girl on the way. And she said to me, oh, take that thing off your head. Nobody wants to see that up on there. And I was embarrassed. And I ripped that thing off of my head, and I threw it in my backpack. And I think about that, and I never thought about it again, never talked about it again. Now as an adult, I can realize her friend was up for Homecoming Queen and she didn't get it and she was probably disappointed for her friend or whatever. She was envious that that, that was a, a moment that I had the spotlight. She wanted her to have the spotlight, her friend to have the spotlight, whatever's going on in her head. There was, there was selfishness and envy. 
And the result is it created disorder. It created disorder in our relationships and it certainly created disorder in my own heart and mind. And the enemy just sat on that story for 17 years. And once I realized that I was saying no to this publishing company in 2007 because of something that happened that far ago, that far behind, I realized, I mean, that's that's craziness. That is utter, um, that, is, that is craziness. And we talk in this um, day about that verse in James that says that from selfishness and envy comes all kinds of disorder. And what we need to do is just reverse engineer. When we see something, crazy going on in a marriage in a relationship in the life of a child in a in a department in a team that's trying to work together in the middle of a meeting in the middle of a church like in the middle of a country like no matter like as we speak right now there's a war going on in our world if you look at the basest part of that conflict it's somebody's being selfish somebody's envious and as a result there's all kinds of disorder this is, you know, we have our life verse, which is First Thessalonians 2, 8, but our, this is James 3, 15 and 16 is where this comes from. And this is my my work. Leadership. Leadership work <laughs> yeah. verse. And uh, I remember pre-COVID, I had this s- staff conflict with two different staff members. Um, and we had a, we had a, actually, it was a video call because they were they were in different locations. And, uh, and I'll never forget, we actually did, punch first we were talking about it and we did punch first before the call because i knew inevitably there was already disorder it was already chaos and i i knew that we needed to get ahead of it mm-hmm. and and it doesn't mean truth wasn't said that's yeah. that's the best thing about it it doesn't mean that feedback didn't happen it doesn't mean that that people's opinions weren't given it just meant it just meant that we weren't we weren't being the enemy to each other yes we were we were on the same side yeah. and and i i think if, i mean it's it the the concept itself i have in in this particular realm of of conflict or disorder or i have i have started with punch for strategies uh before meetings maybe hundreds of times but many 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 times and because it just it just helps set the tone that we're on the same side most most of my meetings are with people who do believe in jesus and mm-hmm. have a relationship with them there's no reason for us to be enemies here and that whole idea of selfishness and soul care and windows of tolerance that the whole topic of today like i was just telling you last night that i've been noticing i've been overreacting to people i've been having kind of exaggerated responses and to me, that's the surest sign I have at age 50 that my windows of tolerance are shrinking. I, ha- I'm, I, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to let things go, to give people the benefit of the doubt. To, like I can tell like as my windows of tolerance are shrinking, then I start to get selfish and selfish usually means I, I start to sin. And that's true in my friendships and my work relationships and my parenting. But it's never more true than in my marriage because you're a safe person for me to be selfish with. And when you and I have what we call in our marriage a disconnect, you know, like when when we have some moment where one of us was not acting in a way that was honoring and then in essence disorder results. Like, do you think it's easier? Uh, I wish I could say like, and then at that moment, I always go, wow, I must be either envious or selfish and I'm going to confess my sin. Like in that moment, sometimes we point out to each other, like you are being selfish right now. You are thinking about yourself or you are acting envious. Like, what are you envious about? When maybe, I mean, I'm just outward processing here with our listening friends, but maybe in that moment, what we need to do is help 
invite the other person or draw the other person into something that feels like soul care. Like, let me help you experience rest. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think when you talk about windows of tolerance, I think, you know, some t- for me, it's, it's, you know, I can, I can actually function well on little sleep, but for you, you need a ton of, you don't need a ton of sleep, but you need sleep. <laughs> Not sleeping beauty, but yeah. No, no, no. But like, and, and you, you sleep five hours and I sleep more like seven to eight. Yeah. And I, and I think sometimes I'm like, I, 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 I want you to take a nap just, or to get even 15 minutes to mm-hmm. close your eyes for 15 minutes so that, so that you, ha- that tolerance window gets broader and bigger. Not because I'm worried about, you know, getting in a tiff or a fight with me, but more, it's it's just good for you. Yeah. And and I think same same there are other things for me. For me it's exercise. You yeah. know, I need I need to have that outlet. And sometimes it's just outlet with just my head space, not not other people, not not listening, whatever, to other things. But it's it's super super necessary for me. Yeah, I think um man, soul care it's it's like it's a buzzword these days, right? People are talking about self care, soul care. It's not it's not it's not simple it's more about rhythm than it is about like you know sometimes i don't steward well my soul care and then i i look for escape instead of retreat and really if i had a regular rhythms of retreat then my soul would be in perfectly fine condition to manage whatever it is that comes about my day but when i don't have a rhythm of soul care and something stretches me to the point that i you know, I do sin, I am feeling sinful or thinking bad things or saying bad things or overreacting, then I typically just want to run away and escape. And I think that's that's the spotlight I wanted to put on this day, this idea of like, what is the relationship between my own window of tolerance, my own rhythms of soul care, and the disorder that can result when we don't tie all the right pieces together. Mm-hmm. And I like the word rhythm a ton because you know, think of any area of our life, you, you can't control it. Yeah. So your child gets sick, you you need to stay up all night. You're, you know, you're, you're something is needed at work that maybe, maybe exceeds what you expect anticipated. Sometimes you have to do that. But I like, I like the rhythm and leaning into God filling us up in that rhythm. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you and I talk about what we call the deepest breath of our day. You know, we made a decision uh, about almost 17 years ago now that we would spend a couple hours every day wearing no other hat with each other besides woman or man. Like, I'm not going to co-parent with you, co-work with you, co-manage our household with you. I'm not going to answer my phone or my email or do my dishes. I'm going to spend a couple of hours every evening just exchanging with you thoughts, ideas. And the result of that kind of intentionality over time means that, we one, we've grown up together, I'll never look at you and be like, I don't even know who you are because we've been in real time exchanging. But I also, you know, I think, I think that time set apart is probably one of the best disciplines and practices we have for soul care because Isaiah 32 talks about how we can be shade for each other. You know, people can be shade for one another. And I think sometimes we'll limp into that time together, one of us or the other. And when you sense the other person is struggling, you can say like, I'm going to minister to you in this moment. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna help you in this moment. Listen to you or talk to you or problem solve with you or encourage you or Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good word. I, I I know for sure it's been our deepest breath of the day and and intentionally so and we protect it. I mean we joke it the kids that when they were little they had to be bleeding to come in, you know. But <laughs> but the I have a strong memory memory of someone knocking on the door asking for math homework, and you told them they could go to second grade the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nothing was going to break into that time for uh-huh. sure. 
Well, uh, as we continue to share our lives with you all, uh, I encourage you to share it with the people that are important to you in your life. Uh, ask the people around you, do you see disorder in my life? Do you see evidence that I have a rhythm of soul care? Those are the conversations that we have around day six. Thanks for being with us on the Punch First podcast. We'll see you tomorrow on day seven. Mm-hmm.